If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Medicine in America, hosted by Anthony Manson and Todd Harrington, shares the stories of physicians, other healthcare professionals, and industry leaders who are changing the way we deliver care. There's an episode that you should check out called Primary Care Reimagined with Subscription-Based Preventative Care Model. It's an inspiring call for a paradigm shift in primary care. All of their episodes highlight innovative ideas at the forefront of the movement to transform our healthcare system. Check out Medicine in America on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast, empowering nurses to manage stressors so they can intentionally reconnect with their purpose, optimize their wellness, and ultimately show up in the world the way they want to be seen. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Wendy Garvin-Mayo, your stress solution strategist. In this podcast, you'll receive actionable stress management tips, insightful interviews, and strategies that focus on inspiring you to be your best, do your best, and give your best. With that, let's get started. Welcome, Rhonda Wood, to the Nurse Wellness Podcast. I'm so excited to have you and uh, talk about mental health in the workplace. So let's start by you telling our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure, absolutely. So first of all, thank you so much, Wendy, for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you today. And so like you said, my name is Rhonda Wood, Rhonda M. Wood, because there's a lot of Rhonda Woods in the world. And I am a international empowerment speaker, mental health empowerment. I'm also a best-selling author and I'm a mental health advocate. And so what I do is I basically speak to um, corporations and individuals about mental health awareness, mental health empowerment, um, available mental health resources, and just um, having compassion and um, gaining knowledge about mental health, particularly in the workplace. I work a lot with corporate leaders about, you know, mental health with their employees and employers. And as you may know, just by hearing her introduction, Rhonda M. Wood is not a nurse, but it's (laughs) so important for her to be here with us today because as nurses and healthcare professionals, right now we are really having a mental health crisis with the pandemic and dealing with stress, burnout, uh, mental health issues that may be resurfacing or exacerbated by what we're experiencing. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got into this work, Rhonda? Sure, absolutely. So it pretty much came about, obviously, I am a, uh, I was a corporate professional for like, well, it's been about 25 years, over 25 years now, but I was working in corporate America, working at this high level, high energy corporate job. And I'm also a mother. So I'm a career woman and a mom. And what I noticed was that my then teenage daughter was having some mental health symptoms that were lasting for extended periods of time. Like, you know, she would obviously have a bad day as most teens do, but I noticed that it took her a longer time to sort of bounce back. And so I realized we were sort of at a point where we probably needed to get some professional help because all of my mommy positive words (laughs) were not helping. And I think as, you know, probably many parents know that whenever our children are hurting, we wanna be the ones to save the day, take the boo-boos away. And I realized, okay, I'm gonna have to, you know, get some, some professional support here. So I noticed that she was having long 
bouts of sadness. So she was eventually diagnosed with depression. She was diagnosed with anxiety um, and then also a mood disorder. And she even had suicidal ideation. She had thoughts of just not wanting to be here anymore. So it was it was pretty serious. And I definitely knew that I needed someone to step in to be able to help and support not only her, but me as well. So I can know how to best, you know, look what symptoms to look out for and sort of what our next steps were. So from that, um, the, the, the individual therapist that we were seeing for her made it very clear that, um, you know, she might benefit from um, seeing the therapist on a more regular basis, so psychotherapy, but also maybe a, a short hospital stay so she can, you know, get some 24-hour care. And then there was also needed support needed for me. Like I needed therapy. I needed um, support groups, you know, and things of that nature. So trying to deal with that and show up at a nine to five job and give my best was became a challenge. And the reason it was hard is because in many instances in the workplace, I was sometimes the only woman in certain environments. And sometimes I was the only person of color or, or not very many. And so it was really hard for me to speak up and say, hey, things are difficult and I need help because I felt like that was a sign of weakness. I felt like I really wanted to look like I could handle it. And so I was trying for the longest time to just be able to, Rhonda, look in control and in charge and like you can handle things. But it got to the point where I just had to say, hey, this isn't working. Went to my then supervisor and said, I think I need to take some time. And he agreed. Obviously, I was having difficulty coming in on time. Or there were times when I would come in and I would have to leave or there were times when I would have to leave early, or there were times when I just couldn't come in at all. So it was definitely starting to affect me at the workplace. And then I think because the job was such an in-demand job, as you know, you definitely have to give your 100% there. I felt like my mind wasn't there a lot. I was starting to become sad. I was starting to become discouraged. I was stressed. I was overwhelmed, trying to balance motherhood and a career and mental health of myself and my daughter. So it became a lot. So that's sort of how I sort of came into this mental health advocacy space. And I simply started just sharing my story publicly. You brought up two really important points. One is something in your personal life changed and shift, right? That really impacted your professional life. And the second part of that is that you felt that you had to still perform at this high level and that you couldn't reach out for help or support. I think that definitely aligns with what we're going through in nursing. We're in the middle of a global pandemic. We've never really experienced anything like this in that we have had shifts in our personal and professional lives. So I think one is awareness. That's what it makes me think of being aware of what you're going through personally, how it may be impacting you professionally. And in that same vein, also leaders being aware that these shifts are happening and possibly assessing employees for them. What would you say to an employer who may be listening on how they can start the conversation regarding possible mental health or just well-being with their employees who may be experiencing different shifts in their lives? Sure, absolutely. So one of the things that I would love to share with employers is that 
your employees are not going to show up 100 percent and and be able to give, you know, at their at their highest level every single workday. I think everyone, I think it's acceptable to say everyone has bad days. Everyone has difficulties. Everyone has a life outside of the workplace. And so there are going to be, you know, those ups and downs, those good days, those bad days, you know, and things of that nature. But I think more importantly is to sort of, you know, have some compassion, have some understanding and have some awareness. You know, where people who might struggle with mental health or stress or being overwhelmed and things that come with demanding careers, such as nursing, particularly during a pandemic, there is going to be times when employees may need to step away. There are going to be times when employees may have difficulty balancing their personal and professional life. There are going to be times when um, they may need to come to you and ask for things um, such as time off or, you know, um, a little, or maybe an extension or, you know, things of that nature. And so in those instances, not to view the employees as lazy, not to view them as, you know, well, we get, we tried, we tried to believe in this person and it just did, it just didn't work out, you know, not to try and replace the person, not to try and diminish the person or what they're going through, but that it's really important to have, the compassion, to have the understanding, to have the awareness, knowing what mental health is and knowing that different people wear it different ways. I think that's so important. There are a lot of people who it might show on the outside that they are going through things. I have people tell me all the time, well, you don't look like you've had depression or you don't look depressed. You don't look overwhelmed. You don't look stressed. You don't look like you're anxious. You don't look nervous. You don't look scared. But different people carry it different ways. And it doesn't mean that it's not there. There are people who have disabilities that are that are very obvious. It's visible. And then there are people who have disabilities that aren't. And what I've noticed, Wendy, is that particularly with mental health and, and so a physical health issue and a mental health issue in many instances are viewed differently. And I think even employers, some employers have this issue is that if I came to you and said, oh my goodness, I have cancer. I think then there would be a level of, wow, you know, a little bit of compassion and understanding, right? We would be, we would probably do a bake sale and a fundraiser and cards and calls and text message and are you okay? And what do you need? But if I were to, in that same vein, say, hey, I have um, a, a mental health issue, I have anxiety, or I have, you know, a dep um, major depressive disorder, it's kind of like, oh, okay, you know, there that, that, that same level of compassion is not there, but it's just as important. So sometimes in the mental health world, we say, oh, you know, um, issues with the body from the neck down are viewed differently than issues with the body from the neck up. But understand that mental health can affect the entire, I'm sure as you know, the entire body. Being stressed out, being overwhelmed, just having bouts of low motivation, you know, not having difficulty getting up in the morning. And also understand, in, in my case, 
I was actually functionally depressed. So no, I didn't wear it on the outside, but I still had difficult days. And the reason I was, a lot of the reason why I was functionally depressed is because I grew up in an environment where I had, I had this sort of survivor mode. So, and I think a lot of people have this is where we just, even when things go wrong and when things are wrong, <laughs> we still just be like, oh, well, I still got to push through. And so we force ourselves, we push ourselves, even when we need to take a break, even when we need that time away. And I think particularly with women, particularly with women of color, again, we always want to appear like we are in control, strong and in charge. And, and anything outside of that is weak. So for example, take saying, hey, I need some time to myself. I need to prioritize me. I think sometimes, particularly as women, we are almost groomed from childhood to serve others, to do for others, to be a good mom, to be a good wife, to be a good sister, <laughs> to be a good neighbor, to be a good coworker. And so in our mind, we start to make the equation that serving and doing for others makes me a good person. Because when we see that, we're like, oh, wow, they're such a good mom. Look at them over there volunteering and, you know, picking up extra kids on the way to school and, you know, packing those great lunches and take, you know, taking the weekend to go to cheerleading and football and things of that nature. The same thing with an employee. We're labeled as good or great or, you know, a, a, you know excellent when we go above and beyond. But what about as a mom, as a career woman, as a parent, as a, you know, employee, what if we said, I need to take some time? Would anyone say, wow, that's such a good mom. That's such a good career move. Wow, that'll get you to climb that corporate ladder. And we don't make that same equation. But it's equally important to once you're serving to make sure you're taking care of yourself as well. So I'm definitely not just a mental health advocate, but a big part of that is I'm an advocate for prioritizing your own mental well-being, your mental wellness, making sure you're prioritizing self and that there is nothing wrong with that. It is so needed. It was so needed for me to take that time that I needed to step away from my job, again, not just to, to focus on my daughter's mental health, but myself as well. And I'll never forget the first day, Wendy, I'm telling you the first day I stepped into therapist's office. First time we ever met, I sit down on his couch. <laughs> yes, he had a therapist's couch. I'm next to my daughter. So he goes, tell me why you're here. So I'm giving him the spiel. I'm like, well, she's this, and this is happening, and this is what's going on at school, and this is my daily routine with her. She doesn't want to get up, and she doesn't want to this, and this is now a challenge. And the whole time he's looking at me. He never looked at her. He never asked her a question. And so afterwards, he said, well, I can't help her until I help you. And I went, well, you know, wait, wait a minute now. <laughs> And so you have to understand, like, I'm pretty much, you know, I'm, I'm career woman. So I'm going to wear the suit. I'm going to have my hair up in the bun. I'm going to have my little briefcase, you know, by all outward appearances. Wait a minute. Now I got it together. It's her that we're here for. And he's like, honey, listen, you know, and what I learned is when you want to know what's wrong with the fruit, you look at the tree. 
And so, you know, I had to make sure that I took a step back, that I had to model the behavior that I needed for her to have. So she needed to see me, you know, speaking up about how I was feeling and how I was doing. She needed to see me going to therapy and she needed to see me go through that healing process and begin to do things differently so that she knew that it was okay. You provided so many nuggets in in that response. So I want to kind of break it down a little bit. One is, uh, you know, the invisible illness of mental health. You can't really see it. And also um, comparing mental health to physical health or physical illnesses, you use the cancer example, which I'm an oncology nurse practitioner. So that Uh, that was (laughs) appropriate. Yes. Um, But I I think you, you bring up a good point that you can't see. And I think, you know, nowadays we need to normalize these conversations and not attach stigmas to, you know, mental health, depression, anxiety, and like you said, stress. So in my mind, chronic stress can be a mental health illness because it can lead to depression, anxiety, substance abuse. It can lead to a lot of physical illness as well. Um, So I think leaders and employers definitely need to be aware of that and also be aware of their own stresses and how that may be impacting how they are leading. Right. I I talk about like leadership and stress, how that impacts your ability to lead, but also being aware of your own. Um, Then you also mentioned, um, you know, going to work and, you know, like everything's okay, not really checking in with self. Right. So so being aware that you matter. But I want you to speak a little bit about people being advocates for themselves. So we know that mental health, mental illness is not something that um, is talked about, but someone who may be dealing with a mental illness, and maybe it may not be depression, maybe it's just really stress, right? Mm -hmm. And you feel like you don't have an outlet. How can someone start that conversation with their employer to ask for time off, to talk about mental health? Like, what would your advice be to someone listening who may be struggling right now with that? Right. So I think sort of the first step is just sort of taking an assessment of self. I think there's so many people who are going through it. I think there's many people who are overwhelmed, but don't recognize that they're overwhelmed or they don't want to admit or say there's that denial. Oh, no, again, I can handle it. I got this. It's okay. They're internalizing it. I think there's a lot of people who are, are stressed out. I think there's a lot of people who are just, you know, as you mentioned, we've been in a pandemic for two years. There's been social isolation, physical distancing, and there's been different types of loss, not just loss of loved ones, you know, close to us. And I'm not just talking about like, you know, sickness in the hospital or, or, or them transitioning. I'm talking about there's been a loss of our normal sea. There's been a loss of our freedom in a, in a sense. There's been a loss of, you know, being able to to go out in public without, you know, a mask. There's been loss of um, routine. There's been there's been, you know, some people have had loss from jobs and money and things of that nature. So I think to say that we haven't experienced any difficulties emotionally, maybe mentally or, you know, even psychologically uh, is, is difficult. I think. Everyone can probably say, hey, this has affected me in some way, shape or form, right? So I think just being able to be okay 
with stating that. It's okay to embrace that. It's okay to be like, you know what, this is how I'm feeling. This is what's going on. And, 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 and being comfortable with, as you said, having a conversation. So someone who's going through something like that, the first thing I would tell them is to, you know, first take a moment to take an assessment of how you're really doing, how you're feeling and what the needs are. You know, do you think, and if you have needs, you know, whether, hey, I feel a little stressed, I'm feeling overwhelmed, I feel like I can't take it anymore, you know, job is stressful, work, you know, family, hubby, responsibilities, I haven't washed the dishes or taken out the trash in a few days, those types of things, you know, okay, is it, you know, maybe spending some time on, you know, um, on the phone, talking to friends? Is it visiting a family member? You know, is it just you need some social contact or is it something where you might need to actually connect with someone professional? You know, and, and for me, because I realized it was affecting my professional life, my personal life was affecting my, my professional life, I realized, hey, I need to let someone know here so that they don't think that, wow, is she just like not working you know, is she is she not working just because she's, you know, is this what what's affecting her work performance here? And so I had to have that sort of open dialogue. And not only did I say, hey, I have some things going on at home, but I was very specific. I was like, these are mental health issues, you know, and, and that was a difficult conversation. It was difficult for me to speak up, but it was necessary. And I felt like it was one of the best decisions that I made and having that and speaking up and having that. And again, I get it. A lot of us, we don't want to look weak or we don't want to look like we don't have it together, but that was necessary for me. That was a necessary first step for me. So anyone listening, I would say, have the courage, step out there, take an assessment of where you are, what's going on and what your needs are. And then don't be ashamed or embarrassed because again, that stigma, the secrets, the silence, the shame, the stigma, those are all things that, that, keep, that hold us back. And what happens is we'll continue to feel ostracized because we'll feel like, oh, I'm going to be attacked if I speak. And so we and, and we'll continue to struggle in silence. And that's not what we want because eventually those issues are going to grow and eventually they're going to come to the surface. I always make the comparison to hold trying to hold a beach ball underwater. It's going to keep every time it kind of comes to the surface and we try and keep holding it back down. And that's what happens when we sort of suppress, you know, what we're going through and what's you know going on in our in our lives and not speaking up about it. I am a huge component of healing out loud. I call it healing out loud. Honey, speak up. You know, <laughs> and, and because what, what I learned is that just me sharing my story about my own mental health issues and I shared how I woke up with depression and anxiety. I went, I rode to work with it. I felt like it was sitting in the seat right next to me. I felt like when I walked in my office, it was right there waiting for me. I felt like it was always with me everywhere I went. I feel like it, that there were times when I wanted to speak up and I feel like it, it had its hands around my neck preventing, like, don't, no, don't speak up because this might happen. This might happen. You got to support your family. Girl, you got to buy them groceries. You know, you got things to do. You don't have time for this. And I think we do ourselves a disservice when we say we don't have time for ourselves. We have to make time for ourselves, just like we make time for everything and everyone else. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Because if we are not whole, it's hard for us to, to give our best to our work, to our family, to 
to everyone. So I, I totally, totally agree with that. Um, so I also think this is a great time for individuals who may be experiencing mental health to speak up because this is a time we can change, right? We've never experienced anything like this. And like you said, everyone's going through it. So this is a time where you could be a change agent, right? You can blaze a trail for, you know, your place of employment by speaking up. And you may be the voice for so many people who may be suffering in silence. So definitely saying something is essential. Um, and I also think just for employers too, and let me know your thoughts on this. I think it's important to have a connection with your employees. So it's easier to have that conversation because sometimes employers and employees are just so distant. They don't have that connection and we are communicating without the connection that it's hard. It may be hard to have the conversation with your employees and it may be hard for the employee to come to the employer and say, hey, I am struggling. So I think connection is so, so, so important. Um, and, and you brought up a good point of doing that self-assessment of, um, of self and, you know, where am I? What do I need? Who do I need? And how can I get that and honor myself for that? So I think that's essential. Um, and I also think, you know, with the high stress and everything going on that some people, and, and I think this is more so for employers or leaders um, who are listening, that your employees may already have a history of mental health issues that are exacerbated now, right? So you may not be aware of that, right? Because we don't talk about it, it's invisible, you can't see it, but just being mindful of that. Um, so, so so, 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 so important. Um, Rhonda, be, before we wrap up, um, I want to take you through a rapid fire before we go. So just an FYI on that. <laughs> but what are some last words? I want you to talk to the employee and I want you to talk to the employer. What is one thing they, one thing they can do when they return to work, right, to help really um, normalize or start the discussion about mental health in the workplace? Sure. Sure. For employers, I would say, again, the compassion, the understanding, but also the awareness. Um, but I think the last part of that is the resources, knowing your employees are coming from probably, you know, a virtual environment coming back to the workplace, there might be some fear, there might be some anxiety, there might be some overwhelm. And then again, you know, you understand some of them have experienced getting COVID or caring for someone with COVID or being afraid of catching COVID or, you know, hey, in a workplace, I'm going to be around, you know, other people that, and, and I haven't had that experience in a while. Taking all of those things into consideration, you're providing resources. So whether that's, you know, people to be able to talk to, people to be able to, um, or, you know, like um, um, different types of uh, other resources, such as, you know, um, mental health specialists, people who specialize who you can talk to. I know some employers or companies have, you know, employee assistance programs where you can have, you know, sort of that outlet. Um, being allow, being allowing employees to be able to take breaks or whatever reasonable accommodations they need so that they can be effective. I think sometimes, you know, again, I think sometimes uh, employers can sort of misunderstand. So I think just allowing them the time to be able to speak up and, and not, um, not be worried about stigma. That's one thing that employers can do. For employees, again, I think it's just listen and honoring where you are, honor your feelings, what you're going through, honor those thoughts, you know, 
have an, an um, assessment or an, uh, analyze where you are, what you need, what your triggers are, your fears, things that stress you, you know, things that may make you overwhelmed, whether it's people, whether it's the environment, whether it's the way your laptop is on your desk, you know, and being able to make either subtle changes or figuring out what it is that will help you to be able to function at your best capacity, personally and professionally. Wonderful advice. And I want to just say for employers before we wrap up, it may be a financial investment, but you'll reap the return on investment in the long term. So Rhonda, if people want to get in contact with you, what's one way they can contact you if they want to continue the discussion with you? Sure. So I think the easiest way and the easiest thing to remember is 10krhonda.com. So 10krhonda.com. Now that particular site has my website. It has my, um, you can contact me on all my social media there. You can um, see some of my downloads about, you know, ways to be able to show up better for yourself, but it's all in one, it's sort of like a one shop one shop stop, one stop shop, I should say, where you can yeah follow me on social media, connect with me, email me, um, or visit my website. So it's 10krhonda.com, 10krhonda.com. Awesome. Now let me take you to a rapid fire before we wrap right. up this wonderful conversation. And we'll definitely have to bring you back Absolutely. to the podcast to continue this discussion. So Rhonda, tell me the first thing that comes to your mind, the first answer that comes to your mind to answer the question or finish the sentence. Sure. Mental wellness means? Mental wellness means being well in different areas of your life, professionally, socially, spiritually, financially, and making it, pri- making it a priority, making yourself a priority. I know I'm stressed when? I know I'm stressed when I can't function at a, a normal capacity, when I'm nervous, when I um, have trouble focusing, when I can't think straight, when I have trouble concentrating, when I can't sort of get my thoughts together, when I feel nervous. My go-to stress management solution is? Ooh, to go for a beautiful nature walk, to be one with nature. See, smell, hear nature. Awesome. One thing I learned about myself during the COVID-19 pandemic is? Is I am my best advocate. I have to speak up for me. I have to advocate for me. I have to make myself a priority before I can think about serving or doing for others. Something people get wrong about me is? I think people get wrong about me that I am this superwoman, <laughs> as Alicia Keys said that, what was it? The, I put on my vest with the S on my chest because I'm a superwoman. I think people get that part wrong. No, I am just an ordinary person. Uh, d- despite what people might see on the outside, I have struggled extensively most of my life with anxiety, depression, and um, a mood. But what has helped me has been psychotherapy support groups, and other types of resources. Awesome. And my last question for you is, the last time I had a belly laugh was? Ooh, man, that was yesterday. <laughs> last night. Oh, man, I think I was watch, watching something either funny on uh, 
TV or or on my on my social media. But I think it's important just to laugh every day. And I don't even think anybody was around. I think it was just like me by myself. <laughs> awesome. Well, Rhonda M. Wood, thank you so much for being here. And we'll definitely have to have you back. Thank you so much, Wendy. I appreciate the invitation. It's been awesome. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Between episodes, you can follow the Nurse Wellness Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Before you go, I would love to share a free mindfulness ebook with you. Go to stressblueprint.com backslash 35 and download your free copy. Until next time, go out and be your best, do your best, and give your best. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Medicine in America, hosted by Anthony Manson and Todd Harrington, shares the stories of physicians, other healthcare professionals, and industry leaders who are changing the way we deliver care. There's an episode that you should check out called Primary Care Reimagined with Subscription-Based Preventative Care Model. It's an inspiring call for a paradigm shift in primary care. All of their episodes highlight innovative ideas at the forefront of the movement to transform our healthcare system. Check out Medicine in America on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.